As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Eight years later, we do this again. Fifty-seven years later, we do this again. Or dare we call it, <laughs> the curse of 1969. Super Bowl number four lives on yet another day, yet another season as the NFC Championship game would wind up unexpected, 38-7 to in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. Not much really to say about this, is there? Other than nothing seemed to work out except the first drive of the game. Uh, Case Keenum, things looked so positive. Jarek McKinnon, even the opening play of the, of the game, Latavius Murray was able to march six yards forward against the number one rush defense in football. We're going to be talking about number one this, number one that when it comes to defense. Because the Vikings were everything but that throughout the entire game. I've never seen anything like it, but then again, I guess we saw it again. Uh, way back in 2000, 41 Donut, this was a lot more like that game. Other than the opening drive, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play in Lincoln Financial Field? Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? You saw a mediocre quarterback who had been a backup most of his career. A la Kerry Collins. Mediocre quarterback. He started back up this and that. And then he looks like, I don't know, it looks like Peyton Manning, at least for one day. He actually looked like he had an arm. He was as accurate as all get out. And you know what? He's had some good seasons when Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. So give him credit. Nick Foles isn't the worst quarterback in football. That's obvious. But do you really think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl? Or was this just one little magical day for them? I would lean towards the latter. I don't think the Eagles will beat the Patriots, but we'll talk about that in segment number two, if I survive that. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm going to survive it, but we all live on. I always like to talk about walking away, this and that. If I walk away, I'd be throwing away something that, well, one of the positive things in my life, when there aren't a whole lot of positive things. Uh, We all have lives that are difficult. We have works, we have jobs that we don't enjoy. We have coworkers that we're sick and tired of looking at. Sick and tired of hearing their voice, or seeing their unfriendly faces. And then you have Purple Mafia, or whatever your hobby is. You have to cling to it, because this is one of the only things I got. That's a positive. <laughs> you know. Okay, there's positive things in life. I'm still okay, I'm still alive, this and that. The sun will come up tomorrow, though there'll probably be a lot of snow on the ground at some point, if the snow ever does come. 
But days like today make a lot of us want to step away from the game. Make a lot of us want to just walk away because this was an utter crushing defeat by a franchise that came in and gave us so much hope, so much promise. A quarterback that looked like that backyard player. And you know what? He does still to this day have that backyard quarterback feel. Oh, Keenum back to pass. Throws up to the right, caught by Diggs. He stays in bounds. And it's a Minneapolis miracle. That will always have a place in our hearts. But unfortunately, at this moment, the meaning of that is not quite what it could have been. And that, that's what sucks. The play will always be there. It'll always be remembered. Maybe, just maybe, in the coming years, that magical play will, <laughs> will show its true magic that the curse is over. But at this moment, the curse lives on yet again. The curse of 1969. Super Bowl number four, Minnesota Vikings favored by 18 points against a mediocre Kansas City Chiefs team, and the Vikings don't score a touchdown until it was 24-0 in the fourth quarter, and that was all she wrote. The beginning of the underachieving play of this franchise. Uh, 57 years into its uh, existence now, we, we still wait. We have to wait until season number 58 at the bare minimum. There's always next year. Well, yeah, there's always next year, but... Next year never comes. Will next year matter in terms of will this team take that next step? Can we do what the Pittsburgh Steelers did in 2005 versus 2004 when they ended in playoff disappointment? Great season, 15-1 and team, but, they, but the season ended in disappointment. Everything's disappointing when you don't win at all. You know, or say you, a team like Jacksonville, who was one of the worst teams in the NFL, for them to be a play away from the Super Bowl, and maybe even beating the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, which I think they would have, honest to God, I think they would have had a, leg- uh, had a legitimate shot at it. Um, that's extremely impressive. They have nothing to hang their heads about. But next year, it's like, will the stars align the same as next year? No. Will we ever get a chance to play at home in our own stadium in the Super Bowl? No. That's what hurts. That dream is now gone, and it'll never come back again. Maybe, <laughs> maybe... Ten years from now, maybe they'll give us another Super Bowl. Maybe we'll still be good. But ten years from now, I don't even want to think about that. I'll be pushing 50. And some of you that are pushing 50 will be pushing 60. Yeah, wow, it's not fun. Um, An exciting first drive. Jarek McKinnon getting those first downs, removing the chains. Keenum to Diggs. Even Thielen was able to make a catch at some point (laughs) down the stretch. But Diggs looked good, other than getting a knee in his back. He was okay for moments. But then that nice little lead pass into the end zone of Kyle Rudolph, wide open, and you saw guys throwing their arms up on the sidelines of Philadelphia. Here we go. This is going to be that wonderful afternoon where we're finally going to get to the Super Bowl for the first time in 41 years, and we're actually going to host it. Even though it's the New England Patriots, the most feared opponent in football, we're going to host it. And there's always that little chance because we host it. And because we were able to roll past the, this whole East Coast situation, we're going out East, we always get killed in the playoffs, and then that continues, uh, obviously, with today's game. But at that moment, we thought maybe we were going to get over that horrible hurdle, and maybe we'll beat the ultimate East Coast team, the, uh, the New England Patriots. But again, the ensuing drive and all that, we get uh, Nick Foles, to go in a th- uh, three and out on the second attempt, they got the first down on the first one. Then you get them to uh, <laughs> you get them to punt after their first uh, their their second series. Everything's okay, sort of, kind of, sort of, and then and then you get the pick six. It was unbelievable. Uh, 
you can't completely blame Case Keenum here, but you're hoping he could somehow avoid Chris Long's long arm of the law, or whatever you want to say, overly tattooed, in my opinion, arm, that batted the pass away. It, he didn't touch the ball. He hit Keenum's arm, which made the ball underthrown, which was attempted to Stefan Diggs, and then it was taken away. And it suddenly goes from a 7 nothing game to a 7-7 to game, and you're just... You get this pit in your stomach thinking, okay, well, it's a tie game at least, but my goodness, this often changes things. And the whole talk about coming into the game, turnovers like this type cannot happen, cannot happen in this type of game. And that just kept going in my head over and over and over and over. And that was <laughs> that was the beginning of the avalanche because that was the only time the Vikings would score in the entire game. Uh, you'd get a second attempt, you'd get far down there. After the Eagles managed to score on their ensuing drive, the Vikings' defense goes from what looked pretty strong in the first series, series and a half or so for the Eagles, to a defense that started showing holes and then started showing more holes. And they started showing more holes. Uh, it was, it went from Nick Foles nickel and diming our defense to suddenly being able to complete things downfield where guys were open on the sidelines, guys were open up the middle of the field. Ertz just killed the Vikings time and time again. You saw missed tackles by Anthony Barr that were just ridiculous, uncharacteristic. You saw a third down defense today that went from number one in the history of football So now you get the showcase, the big NFC Championship game, and this is what you get. You get nothing. I mean, <laughs> you see a third down efficiency go from, again, the best in the NFL to what ended up being 10 of 14 by the Philadelphia Eagles. Ten of fourteen by the Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Ten of fourteen. We're talking. If it was third and ten, third and eight, third and six, third and seven, third and thirty. I don't know. It wasn't quite third and thirty, but <laughs> it didn't matter what it was. They got the first down, and you're just sitting there staring at it, like really. This game absolutely falls on the defense much more than Case Keenum. You had the, the strip sack again, when the Vikings were in Eagles territory, deep in Eagles territory. We were in officially the red zone. And then you had the strip sack situation where uh, David Morgan missed a block, a key block that would have helped. So again, you can't blame that on Keenum. Just like you couldn't blame it on Teddy Bridgewater when we lost the game against Arizona. When I had people say, oh, Teddy choked against Arizona. Well, you're designing a play against a pretty good front line of Arizona with no offensive line in front of Teddy Bridgewater. You're designing a long passing play and you're blaming Teddy Bridgewater for the strip sack. Why? Um, yeah, you could protect the ball a little better, but maybe he's getting back to pass, you know? I mean, it's just the common sense of some people out there is lacking. So, at the same time, where do we go with Case Keenum as the starting quarterback of this team? I'm telling you, if the money is high, I'm ready to just stick with Teddy Bridgewater. And again, Sam Bradford, I'm not going to commit anything to Sam Bradford unless he wants a very small contract to be a backup quarterback. And that's it. Um, I don't think I want Sam Bradford as a backup, really. And it's not because I don't think he can do it. It's because he probably won't accept it, for one. Secondly, does he seem like this guy that could be a spark plug in a, in a big situation? Or does he seem like the kind of guy that would only be happy starting, regardless, uh, that would bring almost no energy? That's kind of what I see, where Case Keenum is the guy that was kind of a spark plug in that whole situation in Chicago. Uh, Case Keenum, I, I, I again, you know, we'll talk about this more in the offseason, but at the moment, I'm not ready to commit a like $18 million franchise-level type of a contract for him. I'm not ready to do that just yet, but 
Maybe you have to. Uh, Drew Brees is still available. The odds of him coming here? Yeah, okay. Again, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, I don't know. Again, off season. So, no, I'm not retiring from Pro Bowl Mafia, even though I keep sounding like I am. I started calming down as I just got in the car and started driving around for a while. And then, uh, well, I started to calm down and feeling a little bit better. But um, offensive line protection, I mean, so many facets of this game today. The Vikings were absolutely destroyed, were outcoached, outschemed, because it was like almost every play the Eagles ran, they were getting what they wanted. They were getting the first down. I mean, moving the chains is the number one object of the game of football because that eventually leads into the end zone. If you're able to move the chains, your chances of getting in the end zone are a lot higher. That's kindergarten-level football. Um, and again, I'm not trying to be condescending to anybody at all. Just saying, that's all it took. That's all the Eagles needed to do. And next thing you know, they start going deep. They start making a little bit more aggressive type of play calls. And nobody's on anybody and until it's time to tackle them. Then, oh, then magically we're there after they gain an extra 10, 20 yards after the catch. Sure, that that's fine. You know, that's okay. Uh, it only happened once, twice, three times. I don't know, 100 times it felt like. Patrick Robinson, of course, was the guy. Robinson, not Robinson, was the guy that returned Case Keenum's pass for a 50-yard touchdown. You know what? I think guys could have made a tackle on that, too. I mean, why is Patrick Robinson able to get around, like, I don't know, about nine people, about nine different players before he got to the end zone? That didn't help either. It really didn't. Um, <clears throat> it was just a frustrating overall, like, here we go again type of day for us. It was just insult to injury, this and that. Uh, Anderson Deho out with the calf injury, but we don't have to really worry about it as long as he's healthy for training camp now. That's about it, because it doesn't matter. We're not playing in two weeks, so we don't have to sweat that out, I guess. Same thing with Pat Elfline getting hurt also in the lower body area. So I know that sounds hockey-like, but that's about all we could tell at the moment. It was more of a lower body injury, not a shoulder injury. So interesting situation with Pat Elfline. Hopefully he'll be ready to go come training camp, because that's all we have to look forward to. Uh, Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi felt like he could do whatever he wanted. Uh, didn't have any big bursts, but he did have... He was just, he was moving the chains time and time again when he was given the opportunity. LeGarrette Blunt, same thing, including an 11-yard scamper to pay dirt when it mattered most for him. For me, offensively, easily, it's got to be Jarek McKinnon for the Vikings. Uh, Stefan Diggs performed very well as well for a guy, again, who was playing hurt a bit off and on throughout the game. Jarius Wright was solid, but a lot of those receptions were later on when the game was a bit getting out of control. Uh, Laquan Treadwell did what he usually does. He didn't catch anything, but he was targeted once. Yep, targeted once. Uh, Zach Ertz was as open as you could ever get out. Uh, Torrey Smith got what he wanted. Nelson Aguilar got a couple of first downs on key. Uh, those, those third and third and whatever. Third and long, third and middle. Doesn't even matter. He just got the first down. Torrey Smith got what he wanted. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey dominated as well. Two touchdowns in the game. Caught everything coming his way. Zach Ertz caught everything coming his way. He was often left wide bleeping open. Anthony Barr, I thought, was probably the worst player on the field for the Vikings today. I mean, he could have tackled Ajay in his sleep, and he just started stumbling and falling, and it was a key stop that ended up leading to the Eagles making it a 21-7 game. Later in that drive, as Foles jacked that thing up into the end zone, <sighs> made me want to cry. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey jacked that sucker up for 53 yards to pay dirt just a couple plays later. Just, you know, you make the key stop on 3rd and six. Instead of stumbling and falling, it's a it's a freaking one-score game. Maybe, who knows what could happen, but that was one of the turning points of the game. You got to make that bleeping tackle, and you didn't. You just didn't even touch the guy. You fell over. That's horrible. 
I doubt the field was that slippery when it's like 50 degrees. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Atlanta could have had that excuse. Atlanta's defense gave up 15 points in the game. 15. The Vikings defense gave up 31 points in this game because, of course, the 7 was a pick 6. That was a defensive touchdown for the Eagles. 31 offensive points scored by a Philadelphia offense that a lot of us were mocking and ridiculing. <sighs> but it's just, it shows you got to play the game. And there's always this fear. You go out east in the playoffs in big games, things happen. Yankees, Red Sox, Giants, need I, need I mention more? You go there on the road. It's it just, unless you're the Patriots, you're another East Coast team, it's not easy to do. Um, Philadelphia lost the NFC Championship game to Arizona because it was in Arizona. It's just home field advantage means so much. Uh, those mistakes, the poor defense against Carolina came back to bite the Vikings. The poor defense against the New Orleans Saints came back to bite the Vikings as well because it helped expose holes in this defense that I'm sure <laughs> Mr. Jim Schwartz over there, that son of a gun, former Detroit Lions coach, got his revenge on us once again, uh, was able to expose. Yeah, I'm going crazy. It's uh, Doug Peterson was able to expose the uh, the defense for the Vikings, and Jim Schwartz did what he could against us as well, against Case Heenum and such. I'm going crazy here, and please don't blame me for that. <laughs> Doug Peterson obviously was the guy that was cutting the holes in the Vikings. Of course, uh, Doug Peterson again the former Packers and Eagles backup quarterback back in the day. And, of course, an offensive mind that has got him a offensive, uh, that has got him an NFL head coaching job, and he's got his franchise in the Super Bowl without uh, Carson Wentz. Jarek McKinnon, for me, was the best player for the Vikings. Um, and Kai Forbath made an extra point. You didn't have to worry about him missing a key field goal on a cold, on a cold, windy day in Philadelphia, or a cold, windy day in wherever, you got to see uh, he made his extra point. All right, he made his extra point. So Kai Forbath did his job. <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, 86 yards receiving in the game. He was valuable, and of course, some of this stuff was picked up during the game when we we're trailing. But of course, McKinnon did help, did do what he could. I think he would have been a huge factor, and a lot of people thought he was going to be that, that. Uh, that hero today, and you know what, he was he he would have been if we would have ended up winning the game. McKinnon looked better than pretty much anybody else out there. Stefan Diggs second place in that category. Kyle Rudolph did get that touchdown, but other than that, didn't work out. Uh, inaccurate passes thrown his way. Case Keenum in these two playoff games was not as good as he was in the regular season. Uh, he looked sharp. He looked solid. He looked awesome against teams like Atlanta, against the Rams, Washington. He was erratic, but before that, he had dominated throwing four touchdown passes. So. Case Keenum, better in the regular season than in the playoffs. Minnesota Vikings, insanely good in the regular season and mediocre at best in the playoffs. You had to get a miracle play to even get to the NFC title game, and we will always remember that miracle play in the bottom of our hearts. So that's good. We can keep that and hopefully use that as some type of, uh, I, uh, I don't know, some type of a charm against uh, the curse next year and beyond should this team be competitive as they were this year next season. The odds of that happening are usually slim, but you never know. Maybe this time the Vikings are here to stay when it comes to the playoffs, and we got to hope so. Quigley was good from his punting vantage point, of course, almost 50 yards a punt. So that's good. Yeah, that's nice. We do appreciate that in a big way. Um, nice to see Daniil Hunter step up and get a big sack when the game was still very much in doubt. That was very appreciated. I thought he had a wonderful, wonderful game. So a guy that had a fairly quiet year, Daniil Hunter, stepped up nicely getting what would have been his eighth sack of the season if you count it all in one 
uh, piece. Uh, Jalil Johnson in over his head a bit. Um, uh, Stefan was, was definitely missed. He's definitely a piece, a depth guy. Any type of injury to anybody, not good. Uh, Trey Waynes got beat late when he had been good all year. Xavier Rhodes was terrible. Uh, Harrison Smith was out of position. Tom Johnson was really good at, at times, particularly early. Anderson Dejo was generally good, but, eh, you know, he's he's obviously had better games. Everson Griffin felt invisible. Linval Joseph did what he could most of the time. And Brian Robison, I think this mayor, this might be it for him, and that's unfortunate, along with uh, Joe Berger. So, Berger, they will definitely be missed. There'll be pieces that need to be replaced in the draft and such. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Absolutely, uh, when it comes to the NFL draft. And, of course, defensive line would definitely be something I'm not against. Tom Johnson's not getting any younger. Uh, Brian Robinson is leaving, more than likely. And, you know, keep bringing in more depth, guys that are better. I mean, maybe you can get that legendary player, and I wouldn't be against getting some type of uh, uh, improved linebackers as well. Anthony Barr is inconsistent. He's got this star potential one day, and the next day he's missing tackles. The next day... He doesn't look like the same guy, this and that. Uh, Eric Hendricks is good, but he's only as good as uh, Anthony Barr sometimes. So even though Eric Hendricks, I think, is a little bit better than Barr, a lot of times Barr's disruption is what allows Hendricks to get the tackles. So there is that as well. Um, one thing after another in this one, but the 4 for 10 uh, third down conversions is as damning as it gets, along with, generally speaking, the defense sucking hard throughout this entire game today. So this one, not nearly as dramatic as the 2009 NFC Championship game. Um, you can only say so much in a game when you get absolutely whooped in just about every facet except field goals. But, you know, eh, well, Jake Elliott made all five of his extra points. So, yay. Uh, punting, we pretty much, well, Kyle, Ryan Quigley outplayed Donnie Jones. So he outpunted Donnie Jones. They both actually punted the ball three times, if you can believe it. But Donnie Jones did get a couple in the 20, where uh, Ryan Quigley had his second touchback. See, that this is weird with the Vikings. They have these awesome regular seasons. This guy didn't do this the whole regular season. And in the playoffs, Quigley gets a touchback in this game and in the Saints game. That's crazy to strike good numbers. Um, third down defense, the best in NFL history in the regular season and in the postseason. <laughs> 10 of 14. I mean, need I say more? That's the most damning stat. That's why the Vikings lost the game along with other crap. But that's one of the big reasons. I mean, if you can't stop them on third down, what are you doing? You might as well just pack your bags and head back home because we're not going to be in U.S. Bank Stadium until the preseason. How exciting. Exciting preseason. <laughs> that's all we get. So Fran Tarkington Award for today's game is Jarek McKinnon. The uh, Christian Pound Memorial is the entire defense. I'm sorry. Uh, Harrison Smith wasn't even close to what you saw. Uh, Xavier Rhodes pretending to get injured every 10 seconds, or maybe he gets banged up a little bit, but he acts like he's going to be out for the season half the time. Every couple, two or three times a week, that's basically what you see out of Xavier Rhodes. I don't know what's going on. It's like you love the guy, but then when you have a game like this, you start getting frustrated with some of his act, and that's what took place today. Um, but I will give it to the entire defense, the uh, Christian Toronto Memorial. It's not going to Keenum. It's going to the entire defense. The offense could have been better, but you know what? They were actually halfway decent. If the defense could have kept the Vikings in the game, maybe forced a turnover, maybe forced a turnover of some sorts, things might have been a little different. 
Unfortunately, Chris Long's batted uh, arm of Case Keenum, not batted pass, but batted arm, was pretty damning, and that was the floodgates being opened by the long arm of the law in Chris Long. So that should wrap up segment number one. That's all I got to say for now. Fan interaction, the door is wide open for you, and I didn't even post anything yet about that. So we'll be back right after this to talk about a preview of the Super Bowl, a brief review of the Jacksonville game, and a preview of the Eagles and New England Patriots. Go Patriots, I suppose. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Now we're going to preview things, and well, I suppose we got to review the AFC title game. Much more entertaining game. I had a feeling the scores might be the opposite of what they were, uh, as in Vikings uh, <laughs> uh, have a close victory over the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and then the Patriots route the Jacksonville Jaguars, but things did not quite go that direction, so we know that. Uh, going to do a quick addendum errata really quick. I didn't even talk about the quarterback statistics previously. Might as well get this out of the way. I mean, Nick Foles passed for 352 yards, almost 80% completion, three touchdowns, quarterback rating 141.4, and that's what happens when you have a great offensive line, partially. It definitely helps, and that's what the Philadelphia Eagles had, despite their left tackle being out. The replacement did a fantastic job as well, and uh, Everson Griffin couldn't do a whole lot, and obviously the offensive linemen help each other, and it's again, it's just kind of how it goes, and that's why the Minnesota Vikings need to focus heavily on offensive line in the draft. And you know what? Defensive line as well. Uh, there's nothing wrong with taking another <laughs> another Daniil Hunter or really lucky another Everson Griffin. But hey, I'll, I'll take another Daniil Hunter any day of the week. That's for damn sure. Or another uh, run stopper. Of course, with Sharif Floyd being gone and all that. And Tom Johnson's not getting any younger. Case Keenum, ultimate quarterback rating at the end of the day, about 64, 63.8. Two interceptions. Of course, one of them batted down. The other just... Yeah, just kind of was what it was. Both quarterbacks only sacked once in the game, but Keenum was hurried about a bajillion times against this fantastic Philadelphia defense. And, of course, the one touchdown during the opening drive. Completion percentage, 58.3, and he managed to get 271 yards. So the passing game was working kind of, sort of, maybe. But, of course, when you couldn't really generate a whole lot of running game for the most part, not a whole lot you can do. Uh, Jarek McKinnon managed a 10-yard run, and that's it. Um... He was better than Latavius Murray at the very least. Latavius Murray was the three yards and a cloud of dust. Or was it two yards and a cloud of dust? Well, pretty much. <laughs> Ultimately, he was uh, his uh, yards per carry about three for uh, Latavius Murray. But when you're behind, you can't really do a whole lot of running. That's kind of common sense in the National Football League. So let's talk about the AFC Championship game. Sorry to go back into that again, but I, I just wanted to do a little bit more of a complete job, we'll say, when it comes to reviewing the game, talking about how well the quarterbacks did in this game. So, AFC Championship game, things looked pretty positive for the Jacksonville Jaguars for the most part. Uh, the Patriots did start early. They did get on the scoreboard early, so it's like, okay, here come the Patriots, but then after that, it was all Jaguars for about at least the whole second quarter. Things looked extremely positive in favor of the Jaguars as they were stopping the Patriots time and time again, pressuring and sacking Tom Brady. And it's like, oh my God, is it going to be Vikings and Jaguars in the Super Bowl? Could it be destiny? 
Maybe. And you force Blake Bortles into an interception, or maybe the freaking Jaguars ended up being what the Eagles were today if we go to the Super Bowl. Who knows? We'll just never know. Uh, Tom Brady is able to settle down, get his guys together. James White was able to get into the end zone, so good for him. He's the guy that ended up uh, ending it last year for the New England Patriots on a screen pass that ended up leading to a championship in that overtime uh, drive that the Falcons never got to, never even got to touch the ball in because the Patriots were on an, on an absolute mission in the second half of that football game. And it was kind of the same in this case. Uh, Josh Lambeau was able to get some field goals. Uh, Blake Bortles was absolutely fantastic in this game, though. I mean, I got to tell you, he really stepped up under pressure throughout the entire game. His percentage would drop during the course of the game and all that, but he was he was great. He didn't turn the ball over. He did get pressured as the game continued, and the Patriots' defense started to settle down and focus in on Blake Bortles. That's what was kind of the difference at the end of the day. Tom Brady, again, the accuracy was up. He didn't turn the ball over. You had Danny Amendola with a nice little trick play as well. Ended up being a 20-yard first down completion. Amendola, extremely valuable in the game. Of course, getting a touchdown late to put the Patriots ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He wound up with 84 yards, two times in the end zone, extremely valuable throughout the game. Of course, Gronkowski hitting the head, a head-to-head deal there, and that was uh, quite unfortunate. Definitely the kind of stuff you don't want in the NFL, and that's what took place. Uh, Barry Church was the guy. Needs to go back to church after that one. That was a pretty naughty play. Head-to-head collision with uh, Gronkowski. Condition unknown at the moment, but concussion protocol, and he literally, the, he had the stare, the, that stare, the blank stare, did Gronkowski, and he kept saying, wow, wow. So that can't be a good thing. Patriots will need Rob Gronkowski in the Super Bowl should they be able to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to need him without a doubt. They're going to need all the weapons they can get against that extremely good Philadelphia defense. Um, our dislike for the Philadelphia fans ultimately shouldn't go necessarily towards the team of the Eagles but, again, the frustration definitely continues. And, hey, I've always liked the Patriots more than the Eagles anyway, so I'm going to root for the AFC. <laughs> and, and, and how can you not uh, favor the Patriots in this game anyway at the end of the day? Uh, New England continued to kind of change the momentum of the game. They started to slowly take control, even though Josh Lambeau would add some field goals. Jacksonville's defense was surprisingly good throughout the game. They did build that 10-point lead back after the two field goals from Josh Lambeau, including a 54-yarder, which is pretty impressive. 54-yarder on the road outside, but it wasn't all that cold. It's because it's not it's not really that cold anywhere at the moment, unless you go really far north of here, and I mean really far. Um, Jacksonville able to build a bit of a lead there, play solid defense, but then you just knew what was coming as you could feel the momentum changing. You saw the seriousness in Tom Brady's face without getting crazy, like a calm seriousness. And then there it was, Danny Amendola, (laughs) Brady, hitting Danny Amendola twice into the end zone, giving Jacksonville all kinds of time to score, but they couldn't get anything done. It went from Jacksonville completely shutting down the New England Patriots and putting Tom Brady on his back to New England putting Blake Bortles on his back and the interception, or not not interception, but incompletion late. Heartbreaking, Uh, nice breakup down the stretch that changed things dramatically it would have been a major completion down the field but uh, Stefan Gilmore made a spectacular pass deflection literally like flying in the air knocking the ball away that might that that might have been a game-changing moment as the Jacksonville Jaguars trailing in that game on fourth down could not get the completion New England's defense stood strong and that was the end of the day as the Patriots were able to 
burn the clock. Of course, <clears throat> Jacksonville still would have had a chance with the ball if they were able to stop the Patriots on third down, but they were not able to do it. A screen blast that led to a first down once again for the New England Patriots was all she wrote as the Jacksonville Jaguars had spent their timeouts on the previous series. They would have had plenty of time to, to, to do something once again if they were able to get a completion against this improved Patriots defense, more focused Patriots defense, but it just wasn't meant to be at the end of the day with a first down run once again by James White. Oh, it was unbelievable. If you were cheering for the Patriots, actually this was Deion Lewis who was able to get loose on this one. Uh, pretty surprising as he'd struggled most of the game getting anywhere, but he got the one that mattered most and that ended the game for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New England Patriots go to their second straight Super Bowl, their eighth uh, Super Bowl so far under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and their 11th overall AFC Championship. Uh, well, yeah, this is their 11th overall AFC Championship game since Belichick and Brady were together. Eight conference championships, 11 losses in the conference final. Minnesota Vikings, well, we won four back in the day, but we've lost six in a row now. It's unbelievable. All the way back against the Eagles, way back in 1980. It's hard to believe that. Viking team did get to the uh, NFC Championship game, but we ended up losing to the Eagles there. Eagles ended up losing to Oakland Raiders that year, the Oakland Raiders. They were still in Oakland before they moved to L.A. and then back to Oakland in the mid-90s. As we all know, that was uh, John Madden when he was actually an NFL coach rather than a commentator. And a pretty damn good NFL coach led them, them being the Raiders, over the Philadelphia Eagles in that Super Bowl. And the Vikings now 0-4 against the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs. You thought this was easily the best Vikings team to go against the Eagles in the postseason, but apparently this Eagles team was, well, they were up to the challenge, of course, and at the end of the day, though, you sit and still wonder what the hell happened to the Vikings defense. Nobody really seems to know. Uh, in the locker room, none of the players had any answers. The coach knew something, obviously, in Mike Zimmer, as he was basically like, if you want to blame someone, blame me. Um... They were outcoached. The Minnesota Vikings were absolutely outcoached in the game, and there's no question about it. Uh, Jacksonville and New England was a pretty even battle, and the Jaguars fought very hard in that game. You could just see the, the heartbreak in Blake Portal's face. He had a hell of a game, and you know what? He gets all the credit in the world. Jacksonville, what they reminded me of this season, particularly in the playoffs, the 10-6 and six record, all that, they reminded me of the Baltimore, uh, the Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco when they would go in the Silver Bowl or at least get to the AFC Championship game, lose to Pittsburgh or whatever. But in this case, this was a team that really did remind me of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and you could say a little bit like the New York Giants. Of course, Tom Coughlin back, back with Jacksonville after all these years as he helped the Jaguars get to their previous two uh, AFC Championship games when he was the head coach. And uh, Mark Brunel was the quarterback. He had Fred Taylor, guys like that. He had Keenan McCardell. That was a good team. I can't remember the other wide receiver who was actually really good as well, but Keenan McCardle ended up surpassing him. There was a really good receiver. McCardle was like the number two guy, and then he ended up being the, the top guy. Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. It's been about, <laughs> I mean, that was about 20 years ago, so 20, 15, 20 years ago when the Jaguars were at last really, really good. Jacksonville is definitely a team to be reckoned with, and Blake Bortles stepped up in a season where a lot of people thought he was the only weakness on that team, and he finally did something in this postseason. He did a good job, I'd have to say, and that Jaguars defense has a great future. That's what happens when you draft well. You go from the cellar to almost the penthouse with Jacksonville when you have a, when you build a defense to the level they did. And that's why the Vikings improved so quickly under Mike Zimmer. Now, the question becomes with the Vikings, what the hell is next? What the hell is next with the quarterback position, the defense, this and that? Like, what, what happened? What got exposed? 
how can we fix it? How can we stop this leak, this leaky faucet from leaking too much? It's, uh, it's a disaster. So that's kind of where we stand now. Let's preview the Super Bowl. I'm almost ready to wrap up the segment, aren't I? I'm going crazy. Uh, New England Patriots, Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I got to favor New England in the game. They have the experience. They have the coaching. Obviously, Doug Peterson is a very good coach. He's did a hell of a job on us, that's for sure. Uh, hard to believe that Philadelphia offense only got 15 points on the Eagles, and, or excuse me, on the Falcons, and then 31 on the Vikings, which are a better defense than Atlanta. Even though Atlanta's defense has improved, they're not that good. I don't know. It's just It was just a momentum thing, I'd have to say, where Philadelphia was still a bit shaken with the Carson Wentz injury. Could they win a playoff game? And then when they realized they could, then things changed dramatically. Philadelphia is a threat to the New England Patriots, obviously. Uh, the Patriots are favored by six points in the Super Bowl at this moment, but you know how that can always change a bit. Five and a half, six points, that's kind of where it is right now, and they say it's the, the biggest uh, point spread since 2009. But we'll, we, we won't talk about 2009 either here. Um, hard to root for either of those teams. You know, I, I didn't like the Colts or the, or the Saints in that game. Ugh, couldn't stand it. Uh, I was cheering for the Colts because, but, well, whatever. It <laughs> doesn't matter now. New England Patriots, though, I think they will win in a pretty close game. Usually when the Patriots win, it is a close one. They don't seem to blow anybody out. I'm looking at a final score, something of the likes of 27-24 New England. The Eagles, they may have spent all their uh, all their offensive energy on the Vikings. I wouldn't be surprised. I think Bill Belichick's got something ready for those Philadelphia Eagles. Hopefully something legal, right? <laughs> Hopefully something legal. He's not being too sneaky, too uh, crooked. And Tom Brady can carve up any defense. He he figures out a way. I mean, if he can pass for over 400 yards against the Seattle Seahawks of the 2013-2014 era, I don't know, man. Why shouldn't he be able to carve up the uh, Philadelphia Eagles? It was nickel and dime style most of that game until later on. And that's kind of how things started with Nick Foles against the Vikings. It was nickel and dime, nickel and dime, getting those short first downs one after another, just moving the chains. And then he started getting a little bit more confident, started throwing deeper. And then you saw, you noticed that Henderson Day, who wasn't healthy, this and that, and Harrison Smith had his worst game maybe ever. Uh, you could throw up the middle all day on these, these safeties who were excellent all season. And that's what took place with uh, Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles. They just threw up the middle all day on the Vikings. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though if the Patriots absolutely get things going. It's going to be tight. You might see an interception or two. Who knows? <laughs> Tom Brady will probably get one one turnover in the game. I wouldn't doubt it, but that doesn't mean he's going to lose. Uh, I think Tom Brady will throw for the likes of three touchdowns. Nick Foles will throw for two, something like that, and that'll be one of the differences. Brady will just be better. I, I don't expect Nick Foles to lead the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl championship, but what's really interesting and something that a lot of us are forgetting and I know you're not really forgetting, but you get lost in the season, the way things took place, the Jarek McKinnon, Latavius Murray, Case Keenum, this and that with the Vikings. But in both cases, say for Philadelphia, you have Carson Wentz coming back, so that's interesting, or Philadelphia still has their star quarterback coming back, win or lose the Super Bowl. The Minnesota Vikings have Delvin Cook coming back. So in both cases, they're ACLs, and that can be a big dang, big bummer, but you got to think they're both going to be ready to go come training camp. Delvin Cook is coming back, and that's one thing to look positively on the future for this Minnesota Vikings team. As frustrating as it is, that's what's different from 2009. Obviously, you have more youth on the team going into 2010 versus uh, going into 2018. You have much more youth on the team, so there is hope. Quarterback position is always a question mark with this team pretty much since, <laughs> I, I don't know, even Culpepper, nobody... 
half the city didn't like Culpepper because he was too inconsistent back in the day. And before him, you didn't really have a consistent quarterback of the Vikings all the way, dating all the way back to Tommy Kramer in the 80s. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I will uh, stand with Teddy Bridgewater at this moment. I want to see what Teddy Bridgewater can do. He put in a pretty good effort against that Seattle Seahawks team. He did. Case Keenum did get a win. He was part of the Minneapolis Miracle, and that pass was where it needed to be. And Stefan Diggs made a great play as well, along with, of course, the mistake by the Saints. But the ball still had to be caught, and it had to be thrown accurately for the Minneapolis Miracle to happen. So we'll see. If Case Keenum is back, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to get upset about it. But I'm not going to be overly confident either going into the postseason, particularly on the road. Just have home field advantage throughout the NFC. That's all. That's that's all you need, right? Yeah, easier said than done. But if you can get that done, that hopefully is what you need to get to the Super Bowl for the first time in what would now be 42 years for the Minnesota Vikings. Delvin Cook is coming back. That's the good part. So now let's get into fan interaction. You're going to get two calls from Mad Martin. I will play them in sequence just together. I'm not going to interrupt them. end zone I mean wow just a big big mistake Uh, you just got to be able to you got to take advantage of when they do that kind of stuff 10 seconds to go 24 23 Saints Vikings at their own 39 it's third down three receivers right feel and left Marshawn Lattimore 12 yards from Adam Case on a deep drop steps up in the pocket he'll fire to the right side caught by Diggs stay home oh Oh my god 30 no It was never in doubt, my boy. <laughs> and obviously, nobody does play-by-play better than Paul Allen. Um, what can you say? It's Monday morning, I've woken up, and it's like, mm, never in doubt that game. Even with 20-odd seconds, I still felt, they're going to find a way to win this. We cannot be screwed again. And they did. What a miracle, is all you can say. Um... Mm. Yeah, I still feel much the same. We're going to the Super Bowl. Whether we win it, that's probably when I'll start getting nervous, is Super Bowl. I think Philly are more than beatable. Um, and I felt your pain last night when you said to me, or you tweeted to me, that that'll be your last podcast if they lose. I uh, can completely understand that. There has been so much heartache over the years, so many near misses, so many times when... Glory has been snatched away. 09, a classic example. That bloody field goal went through and uh, that was it. Well, boot was on the other foot last night, wasn't it? We did exactly the same to that bloody team. And let's be honest, it feels good to know that that fan base will be heartbroken today. After watching victory snatched away by the miracle in Minneapolis. 
And now we can forget about that 0-9 defeat and put it somewhere in a cupboard and forget about it because we got redemption. Football's coming home, Joey. I do believe that. I do believe they will win in Philadelphia next Sunday. So we've got a whole week to savour and enjoy the build-up to that game where they will defeat Philadelphia. Keep the faith, brothers and sisters, and believe because football is coming home. Morning, Joey. I hope you're not feeling too uh, shell-shocked or stunned. It's about 8am local here, which is probably 2am your time out there. It's wet and miserable here in Scotland, which uh, kind of sums up my mood. Um, what can you say? I mean, the defensive performance last night was inexplicable. <laughs> I, c- I am kind of lost for words in explaining what the hell happened there. Um was that defence already in the postseason and gone on holiday? <sighs> Yet again, they produce another disastrous performance in a in a championship game. Um, but I'm kind of lying in bed this morning because I couldn't sleep. But it was like sleep deprivation rules today. Um, and thinking along the lines of, well, in hindsight, looking back at the game against the Saints, you know, a shutout in the first half. And then we've had three halves of football where statistically the best defence in the league allows 62 points. Think about it, 62 points. That has a lot of similarities to the back end of the 2016 season where the defence just basically faded away towards the end of the season. And they did that again last night. They just didn't turn up. Unreal. 62 points in three halves of football. That is unacceptable. And the offence really wasn't able to generate anything. And that's hardly surprising considering the situation that they were put in. (sighs) Yuck. Um, Yeah, to me, this is worse than 41 Donut because I didn't expect that team to win. And I expected this team with a talent on the defensive side of the ball to find a way to grind this out, get enough points and win and take us home. They didn't do it. And, and it's it's galling, but not, I guess, unexpected. Um, so we're rolling to the postseason now with, yet again, a lot of questions. Um, who's going to be the new OC? going to have to be a guru because as we all know Zimmer doesn't really have a lot to do with the offensive side of the ball so we need someone that can make things happen and at the quarterback position it's a quandary isn't it three quarterbacks two with dodgy knees and one that I don't think the organization truly believes in and I think after the performance in the last three halves of football um, I don't think the fan base believes in either I don't know. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I don't believe, like you, I think you tweeted that you didn't want Case Keenum. Um, I don't think I want him with a franchise tag. I don't think we can justify that kind of money for the guy. Um, Of the other two, there's too many questions with their knees. Maybe you do roll with Bridgewater next year and you see where you go. Maybe that's the best option. Let's see what Bridgewater can do. And if he's not the guy, then so be it. 
but at least we can find out. I think you also tweeted that you were in favour of bringing in Drew Brees. Um, I'm not. I'm not comfortable with bringing in a nigh-on 40-year-old quarterback um, for maybe a year or two. I think we need to to find the answer at the QB position, and that has to be through the draft. It really does. We had a fantastic opportunity this season, and we blew it. Next season, I think, is going to be a toughie. You've got uh, Patricia going to Detroit. He's got Stafford. He turns that defence around. They're a legitimate threat in the north. Rodgers will be back, and no doubt he'll be gunning to take down the Vikings in their two games. So it's not going to be easy. I think the window of opportunity might have closed. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they, they find a solution at the quarterback position. Um, that's it from me, Joey. Thanks for um, all the podcasts this year. It's been most enjoyable. It was a fun ride up until last night. And let's see where we go in 2018, rolling into 2019. Skull, brothers and sisters. I hope you all take care this year. And uh, let's hope and pray that maybe next year is our year. And thank you very much, uh, Mad Martin, Dave Martin, out of Northern Scotland for the call-ins all season. It's been an absolute pleasure, and keep them coming. They're always welcome in the off-season. They're welcome anytime, so keep them coming. A great welcome to this show and welcome addition to this show. I think everybody loves what you have to say. Um, yeah, it's amazing the swing and emotion. Obviously, you go from the Minneapolis Miracle to this, to the uh, Philadelphia disaster, whatever you want to say, Philadelphia massacre. I don't know. It's not quite the the Revolutionary War or Civil War or any of those things right now. A little bit further beyond that, I suppose. But then, obviously, a little. uh, Luckily, no one died or anything. But uh, yeah, you don't want to poo-poo what happened, though. It was a terrible, uh, terrible and depressing performance from just about the get-go. Obviously, the opening drive was so fun and all that, and we already talked about that in the first segment. But uh, (laughs) that's obviously. uh, So I, I don't know why I'm rehashing what I talked about. Uh, really liked what you had to say there. And yeah, I mean, the window, is it closing? Possibly. Obviously, the competition is going to be different now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be back, and he's going to be back with a vengeance. Yep, like you said, Patricia going to Detroit. That's going to be a very interesting change over there. I liked what Caldwell brought when it came to the offense with uh, Matthew Stafford. You saw a much different Matthew Stafford under Jim Caldwell. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go, uh, what type of offensive coordinator will be brought into Detroit. Pat Shermer, of course, going to the New York Giants to help out uh, Eli Manning in his final days there. Giants looked awfully promising coming into the season, and then bada-bing, bada-boom, things changed so dramatically. Uh, Bob McAdoo, amazingly, is one of the candidates for offensive coordinator for the Vikings. How Weird is that. Imagine that. He goes from, you get Pat Shermer as the head coach of the Giants, and then Bob McAdoo, the uh, offensive, uh, the, well, the head coach of the Giants, coming to be offensive coordinator of the Vikings. I don't know. I don't like the way things took place in New York with McAdoo as the uh, head coach and Eli Manning and all that. I'm not sure that's a good idea, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm welcome to suggestions. I'm open to what people think of McAdoo and, of course, many others. Uh, Daryl Bevel mentioned by Sebastian Balls, Sebastian Barton. I wouldn't be against that. I think he's similar to Pat Shermer a bit. Uh, he's not the perfect co- coordinator. He did, uh, him and uh, Pete Carroll, obviously, work together on the play call, the decision to go for that uh, inside screen pass <laughs> with the Patriots in the Super Bowl. We know how that turned out. Ended up being 
worse than Gary Anderson's missed kick because they basically had the had the game won and yeah, it was worse than Gary Anderson's missed kick because I would have put the Vikings up by ten. It didn't cost the Vikings the game, it just prevented the Vikings from icing the Falcons. Either way it's depressing and it cost things dramatically. Um, but yeah, Detroit's gonna be back. They're always dangerous, they're frustrating. Will we ever have a third down defense like that again? Uh, can guys learn from this? Will they come back healthy? And of course, Pat Elfline with what was called a serious leg injury in the game. Was it a fracture? Was it a knee injury? We'll just have to find out in the coming hours, coming days, coming hours with Pat Elfline. So that's another thing to talk about where uh, Mike Zimmer in his press conference had said, basically they asked him, was it a serious injury to Pat Elfline? And he said, it's serious, yes. And he refused to evaluate. He said, well, we're not playing anymore, so I don't need to talk about it. And obviously Mike Zimmer in a rotten mood after that game, and I was too. Uh, I apologize to anybody that I was a little bit short and curt with in my conversation last night. Um, just unhappy, you know, very unhappy, and understandably, I would hope. Uh, Tanae Brown retweeting the last show. Thank you very much. Uh, Mad Martin also retweeted it. James Beck and Vince Germano have tweeted it in the past. I think they did, but I don't know why it disappears in the feed sometimes. It gets confusing. Twitter's getting weird. They put up all these other notifications from people you you know you're not even interacting with. It's like celebrity stuff. I don't know why. It's annoying. Uh, Mad Martin says woke up and it's good to see. There's a podcast waiting for me. Will listen at work. Still buzzing on three hours of sleep. Yep, I know that feeling. This is at uh, at Purple Mafia show, not at Wolves Explosion. That's Tim Rules Explosion. Check that show out if you like. Timberwolves podcast, Timberwolves Explosion on iTunes. Check out Brave the Wild as well, if you could, for hockey fans out there. Um, but yeah, at Purple Mafia show, Mad Martin was saying that about three hours of sleep. Uh, Mad Martin continues saying, most enjoyable podcast, brother. Was I the only person on the planet who still believed with 10 seconds left they would win it? It was like, yeah, never in doubt. Just two more podcasts and you can retire and relax. At least retire for the offseason, yeah. There'll definitely not be a show next week, but then the week after, I'll review the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll review it. It'll probably be a fairly short show, and of course, the first segment will be all Vikings. Um, second segment, actually, yeah, well, well, we'll get to that when we do, but there'll be a lot of, uh, it'll be a two-segment show. So yeah, I'll review the Super Bowl, and then the second segment will be fan interaction and Vikings conversation. And if there's any Viking news, that might be a short first segment, depending on such. Like, an offensive coordinator gets named right away. It'd be stuff like that. So it'd be a three-segment show, like a very brief Viking news deal. And then, of course, reviewing the Super Bowl in segment number two. And then, like most off-seasons, it'll be three, uh, excuse me, two segments, because there's no games to review. When there's games to review or preview, three-segment shows, off-seasons two. That's how it is with the Wild also and the uh, Tim Rules Explosion show. Mad Martin says, we have had more than our share of bad luck. Time to rebalance that with a first Super Bowl win. Mm, I wish. Uh, St. Walker Antonio Fett out of the Philadelphia area, but he's, of course, a Viking fan, and he's from here. Um, related to Mark Carlson, of course. He says, I'm uh, Anthony Carlson. He says, I'm at the checkout line at the store, decked out head-to-toe in Vikings, and there's a Saints fan right behind me. This is awkward. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. So we continue. See, this is where all these crazy highlights. Here we go. Tanae Brown. Yep. He's got the uh, replay going on of the Minneapolis Miracle where Case Keenum was getting ready to go. And that was a wonderful moment indeed. Uh, nice TV there, by the way, too. That's pretty cool. Nice setup in your apartment there. Uh, or house, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, that's pretty awesome looking. I, I miss that. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. Antonio Fett says... What do the Vikings have to do to bring it home? 
who will whose performance is more critical, offense or defense? For me, it was defense. Uh, and yes, it ended up being extremely critical because the defense was terrible. So we lost because the defense was terrible. <laughs> I believe that is how I responded uh, at the time. Yep, I was saying defense first and foremost, can't stop them, can't do anything. And this was before, well before the game. So look what happened. If we couldn't stop them, we couldn't do anything. And well, that ended up being right, I suppose. Just a couple minutes, just a day before the game, Mad Martin says, just over 24 hours to go, my friend. How are you holding up? Yep. And he says, I thought Tene Brown, hour into the AFC title game, says, I think Gronk might be done for the game. And yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he can come back for the Super Bowl. Because at the time you're thinking, oh, that might be an advantage for the Vikings again. Yeah, well, we're going to want Gronk healthy now because I don't want the Eagles to win. <laughs> Patriots are my second favorite team anyway. It would have been really tough in that Super Bowl. It's like, I don't want to end up starting to hate the Patriots for whatever reason after that game. <laughs> yeah, but hating the Eagles is another thing. They're a conference rival anyway, so it's easy to hate any conference rival. You don't want to see your conference win. Do you, do you really want to see a, a, a conference rival win? Nah. Man Martin says, relax, brother. They've got this. Hashtag fake. I don't have any doubts. Faith. He should have been taken out of the game. Yep, that was the guy that hit uh, Gronk. Great game plan in the first half, but can they keep it up? And will Bill and what will Bill come with? Yeah, well, they came with uh, the classic Patriots offense. Basically, is what they did. Is uh, now I believe Josh McDaniels heading to the Colts, so that's interesting. Mad Martin says, in the so-called city of brotherly love, things look ugly for our purple brothers and sisters. I hope we destroy them. And yep, uh, he was saying how the Jaguars blow it, and that Tom and Bill are coming to town. And yes, they are coming to town, regardless if we're in the game or not. He said he's not worried about this game. It's playing Tom and Bill. That worries me now. Yeah. So you weren't too worried about the Philadelphia game. Uh-oh. <laughs> and Martin was saying we got lucky in the first drive. The ghost of Favre returns. That was after the interception. As we continue, he says, I'm getting bored with indoor teams are 0-12 and playing in the playoffs outdoors. I agree, and it's it's annoying to hear about, and it's at the same time, it's annoying that it keeps happening. It's annoying that they keep end up coming out correct in that that indoor teams can't win outdoors. And, like, you know, that's partially why I kind of wanted an outdoor stadium. You know, I mean, we've been to the Super Bowl how many times since we moved indoors? We went to the Super Bowl how many times when we were outdoors? So that's kind of why I wouldn't have been against an outdoor stadium. I really wouldn't. Uh, it sucks. Because you're going to probably, well, unless you have home field advantage, dome field advantage, or whatever, skull field advantage, you know, you got to have to probably go outdoors at some point if you're going to make it to the Super Bowl. And it just continues to bite us. That's why I was so scared about going out east because we ended up having another version of 41 Donut. Just like Mad Martin said, he felt this one was worse. And in a lot of ways it was because this Vikings team was really, really good in a lot of areas. The 2000 Vikings defense was horrible and it didn't surprise anybody that they got killed in that game because of that defense. You just hope that Culpepper, Moss, and Robert Smith would have some type of a response. Chris Carter... Um, and, and others along that offense, uh, the uh, Andrew Glover and such. Remember back in the good old days there, kind of good old days. <laughs> but when you had Anthony Bass, Antonio Banks for your safeties, Wastowaster Wanga type players as your cornerbacks, you're not going to win a whole lot. Um, wow. Matt Martin says, that was horrible to watch. Where's the D tonight? Sleeping? Hope this team's not having a letdown after last week's magical ending, and apparently they did. He's saying right time for Case to get the offensive moving. Wow. Yeah, 13 yards is the pits, pick six. Yeah, isn't that terrible? 
Yep, you're saying he needs a drink, need a turnover fast. So far, this is an embarrassing performance. Five drives, two and three out, three and outs. Yep, and the fumble. Yep, there was the strip sack as well in the game. Uh-huh. Defense getting torched. Yep, he was saying all season we need home field advantage in the postseason, but I'm not ready to give up on this game. And yeah, you were saying that before, that we needed home field advantage, you know, and I agreed the whole time with that, 100%, especially because we were thinking about Carson Wentz being healthy. And, well, Carson Wentz may as well have been healthy yesterday because it sure felt like we got uh, sliced up by Carson uh, Carson Wentz in that game. That was Carson Wentz, it felt like, minus the arm, I guess, but yeah. Uh Man, Martin says, how the bleep are we getting destroyed like this? The D is complete garbage now. I'm shell-shocked. Yeah, he's saying it's worse than 41, don't it? Yep. I was saying how it's summing up the frustrations over the last 20-plus years for this team for other for others 50 years. Here comes the big game, and we pee down our leg again. Yep, that was kind of my statement for the game in a lot of ways. Um, and Martin, as we head to the end of the game here, says, I'm sick to, to my core, but the positive was that I had no expectations this season. But another championship defeat, so hard to stomach. Yeah, he was saying it's not to be my friend, but it was a fun season up till tonight. I hope New England destroys them in two weeks. Their fans are arseholes and deserve a good beating. Skull, my friend. I couldn't agree more with that one. I hope they uh, get smashed out as well. I was talking about, yeah, because Tom Hohen responded. I was saying I officially do not want Case Keenan to be our starter next year, especially not for a big giant contract. I will take my chances with Teddy Bridgewater at this point. Um, Tom Hohen says the team has a truckload of cap space, somewhere in the neighborhood of $60 million. If none of the three on the roster deserves the money, guys like Breeze and Cousins are out there, and Cousins would be awesome, I think. Uh, he's saying, uh, Tom Hohen is saying, spend the money on Breeze, and you'll have money to go towards offensive line or defensive back. Yep, I'd even go with defensive line as well, but O-line still. You know, depth and, yeah, I mean, valuable depth and, of course, starters. You know, some, some better starters. Uh, Joe Berger's obviously ancient, and he's going to he's gonna leave. Pat Elfline, he's having trouble staying healthy, it seems like. The shoulder, now he's got a leg injury. I don't know if it's a... F- if he's in, uh, I don't know if he's ac- injury-prone or accident-prone. I'm not sure what to say, but uh, it's too bad what's going on with... Uh, Pat Alfline, as good as he is, so already two significant injuries. This one sounds like it's worse. So than the uh, shoulder injury, which was more of a, a more of a nagging injury, I would have to say. But yeah, if you're having shoulder injuries in your rookie year, I don't know. That can't be good, can it? Ned Martin says, "Yeah, I hope they tear them apart. I don't want another stopgap old man." Yep, he was saying that about uh, uh, Drew Brees. As good as Drew Brees is, yeah, I, I don't know. Circus Clown says, I don't think the franchise guy is on the roster right now. Case would be a good one to two year gap guy. Need to draft one. I don't disagree with that. As long as Case Keenum doesn't end up with a, a trillion dollar contract. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to give him a five year deal. Try to, you know, you could maybe go with the Sam Bradford type contract, like two years. Maybe it's a lot of money, but it's two years. Um, and hey, you know, he'd be set for life. So I don't think he could complain too much for a guy that at one point was fighting to be in the NFL. A guy that was undrafted and all that, in Case Keenum's case. Case Keenum's case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be completely against, well, obviously, a good scenario is bringing back Case and Teddy, and then, of course, a developmental quarterback in the draft. Free agency's risky, you know. I mean, sometimes it works out, but how often does a quarterback from free agency lead to a Super Bowl? Uh, it eventually did with Drew Brees, but he was much younger at the time. That Drew Brees was in his prime. He was just entering it as he was leaving the San Diego Chargers because they had developed a, um, 
Philip Rivers behind Drew Brees. And that's when that's what lit a fire under Drew Brees after he struggled for a few years in San Diego with a poor offensive coordinator and poor head coach over there in San Diego for a few years there. Mostly poor offensive coordinator, though. Uh, yeah, but uh, man, it's unbelievable how some how good some of those Chargers teams were and they still didn't do anything in the playoffs because the coaching just it wasn't up to par in the playoffs. And it sucks to see this happening with the Vikings again. Mm. Hard to believe. Uh, this this really did remind me of Christian Ponder against the Packers, or most recently the Packers coming into TCF Bank Stadium when we were having that promising year in 2015 with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback when the Packers rolled into TCF and just slaughtered us. It was really dumb. <laughs> that was dumb. <sighs> Mad Martin's respond, uh, continuing saying, I understand if you don't do a podcast after this performance, and so the wait goes on, my friend. I'm going to bed. How different this Monday is going to feel. Uh, circus Clowns, though, I do appreciate that. Uh, nice to hear from you, by the way. I hope I'm following you. Uh, that was a good... Uh, yep. Oh, James James Christ one. I, oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've... Yeah. I've interacted with him before a couple of times. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, that was a good... Uh, that's a star. I think that's a star uh, candidate for the show. Tanae Brown says, out of course, out of New Zealand, if I didn't mention... He was asking, what game did Bridgewater choke? Two-minute Teddy was pretty clutch. Blair Walsh lost him his only playoff game. And yeah, because I agree with that. Uh, what happened to the comment where... Let's see, somebody was kind of coming back. Maybe, did he delete? Oh, okay. Reda Van Marisech says, and then take our chances with Ponder, T-Joke, that being uh, Tavares Jackson or, or uh, Castle. Sure, why not? Either we keep Keenum or as a bridge guy and draft someone, which I would not be against. Or we sign someone like Cousins. It's, again, lottery. But one thing I agree is Keenum is not the guy to win a big game. Neither is Chokewater. Um, so I, I agree with most of what he's saying there. I, I don't know about the Chokewater part, though. And that's where uh, Tanae Brown was saying, what game did Bridgewater choke? See, people kept saying it was the Arizona game. Um, no, I I don't think he choked in that game. I think it was, of course, the uh, that was the Arizona game in 2015 when he was strip-sacked. That, that wasn't choking, though. I think that was the offensive line's poor protection and poor play calling by Norv Turner. Why are you calling for a long pass with an offensive line like that in that situation at the end of the game? That was not worth it. You're just trying to get into field goal range for Pete's sake, so you're trying to design a long pass where it takes about five or six seconds to develop with an offensive line that wasn't protecting Teddy to begin with. So, I don't know. I can't really blame Teddy on that one. It would be nice if he just got rid of the ball, perhaps, but I don't know. Um, Reda Van Marisech says, I'm not going to discuss this now. I saw enough of him, and he's not even Keenum. Later, I can provide arguments why I think so. Well, and you're welcome to do that. It's uh, not a bad conversation. I'm going to give him a follow. Sorry. Yeah, I, he was following me. Huh. I didn't follow him back. I gave him a follow. Not bad. Uh, that was not a bad conversation. So, we'll continue. Sam Gupta says, brutal game, but it does not overshadow the great season. I, I understand, um, but you get tired of the regular seasons being good and then garbage in the postseason, but I'll continue. He says, nobody expected the Vikings to get this far, especially with their backup quarterback. Yeah, I guess it's on onto the slow offseason news cycle for us. Uh, yep, once again, yep, he was saying, uh, I'm sure it's coming. Nights like this one make you wonder how long we will wait. We'll need to wait, but I'm sure it's coming, or I'm hoping the day will come. UK Minnesota Vikings says terrible performance, nothing else to say, and that's it. That'll wrap up the Twitter segment. That was uh, definitely uh, elongated, but good. Very good conversation from everybody there. 
Going to give a quick shout-out to MN Vikings Haven, MN Vikings Haven, Trevor Wickerin, the founder of that page, kind enough to allow me to post links to Rule Mafia on the Facebook page, and they have wonderful in-game discussion and, of course, off-season, regular season, any type of transaction news, all this and that, and just cool postings during the course of the week. Very wonderful Facebook page, and I encourage you to join it, and many of you have. Now let's get to the Purple Mafia Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. And we'll jump on on board. Let's see. Well, where was it? Oh, yeah, there's so much stuff. <laughs> so the most recent show, there was no comments in that one. So that's all right. If we, yeah, That way we can continue. I posted the Tecmo Bowlers. Uh, with the uh, it was the Tecmo Bowlers highlight against New Orleans. Very cool how they were able to reenact the final play against New Orleans on that one. Pretty cool. Uh, Justin Mayor Henry says, and, and of course they also added in Paul, Paul Allen's play call on that as well. That was pretty cool. Uh, Justin Mayor Henry out of Colorado says, what did you think of the postgame presser? Zim looked like a little kid. It was great. And yeah, I was saying how it's, we're literally happy like little kids after a game like that. Sebastian Barton says, epic. Todd Paula Horn says, seven heaven. Yep, seven heaven and Minneapolis miracle. So now we'll continue. I was saying the only way to end a drought is to climb the steepest hill. And, I, yep, I was saying only God could write a storybook like that. And the stars looked aligned, and they ended up not being. It was heartbreaking. I don't even want to read it now because I'm so sad <laughs> about it. Uh, Gerald Shring out of Nebraska says, Amen, brother. Diggs gave all the glory to God for the miracle. I believe this is finally our year. And it was a wonderful feeling at the time. Todd Paula Horn again says seven heaven. Gerald String says I love Montana and Great Falls. Used to be used to come out there every year for MABA. I worked for Winfield United, so I had some cooperative customers out that way. Mountain View Cor uh, Coop. Anyhow, great country and great people out your way. That's really cool. Uh, Gerald String says, by the way, welcome to the Purple Mafia Nation. Todd Paula Horn says. Not a bandwagger, born in Minneapolis and was raised near Grand Forks. Moved out here in 1984. Been a diehard fan all my life. Thanks, though. And yes, uh, I think he, he mostly meant welcome to the show, welcome to the podcast. He didn't necessarily mean it as you, you just joined the Viking fan base. But yeah, he, he meant it that way if Todd Paula Horn happens to be listening. Josh Amir Henry says, I had no words last night. I just stood in front of my TV with my hands on my head in shock. This morning, listening to the players talk about it. And when I heard CC on his show on Fox Sports give his recap, it brought tears to my eyes. Been a long time coming, but there's still work to be done. Gerald String says, There's still, I'm still in shock. Justin Muir Henry says, I listened to Paul Allen on the last play over and over on the way to work this morning and started crying again. Ha ha. Yep. Yep. I was saying I get goosebumps. Josh Mayer Henry, also out of Colorado, of course, says, I normally listen to Fox Sports on Fantasy Sports Network, but this morning had to listen to PA and KFAN just to hear him talk about the moment. Yep, it was amazing. It really was. It was a fun show to listen to, wasn't it? It was a fun week. Uh, Pat Shermer reportedly is the choice to become the Giants' next head coach, and that is very much reality. Sebastian Barton says, everyone is upset, but I'm happy for him. Anyone who goes to Cleveland deserves a real shot. Yep. Brian Rentz says, after he called a pass play with a minute 20 left in third and 10 on first and 10, I was ready to help him pack. Worst case happened. Interception. Worst case, literally, right? Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, congrats. What about Mike Malarkey as a replacement? Maybe. 
we'll see, because obviously he left the Tennessee Titans. Hey, I, I thought he did an okay job with the Titans, and he's obviously been a name in the NFL for forever, Mike Malarkey. <sighs> yep, then there was the video from all the heartbreaking endings that ended up with the wonderful Minneapolis Miracle. All the heartbreaking close game endings. Uh, Matt Emer says, so much hurt, we deserve this. We have walked through purgatory. Now it's time to head to the promised land. Matt Emer out of the UK. Mark Carlson out of Iowa. Purple Mafia Hall of Famer says, there is a new champion in town. A new era is beginning. And a new face on the poster that says, don't leave any time on the clock. This guy will beat you. The team has confidence, and so do I. Uh, yesterday was just one of those phenomenons where there was nothing you could have done. So that's the hope that things will change indeed. So, yeah, I was talking about how the offensive line is paramount in the draft as we head into the in-game thing, but I won't get too far into this. There's a lot of conversation back and forth. But uh, I took a while to post the post-game thread, so I might dig a teeny bit into the uh, in-game one. I was saying draft offensive line is paramount in the draft. I think that's where we should go at the early parts of it, even trade up more than once if need be. I want at least three offensive linemen drafted. Brad McCarthy out of South Dakota says, who's our quarterback next year? Not sure on the three we have. I know Bradford is gone. Case not sold on and Teddy has not taken a snap in two years. Yep. Tony Coleman out of South Dakota says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to listen to this episode right away. Don't know if I can handle it. Gerald says, and Tony Coleman, of course, out of South Dakota. Gerald says, uh, yep, and both of these guys are Purple Mafia Hall of Famers. <laughs> future Hall of Famers, because it's not official yet. The, the, <laughs> the whole thing isn't, uh, yeah, created yet. Tony Coleman says, uh, Gerald says, excuse me, I agree with Tony. I'm just done with this incompetence indefinitely. Got to check out for a while. Not sure I can get back on the bandwagon again either. What's the point? Do we have a chance next year? I sincerely doubt it. And I feel your sentiment there because, yeah, it's going to be tougher. The stars were aligned this year and things just didn't happen. Again, things didn't happen. Dave Hickey out of Iowa says, I knew there was a reason why I hated hated Green. Now I got two reasons. Yeah, meeting the Packers and now the Eagles. I don't think I'll even watch the Super Bowl. Gerald Spring says he's not watching. Gerald again continues, says, Sorry, Joy, but I'm puking. I'm bleeping sick of Patriots, like gagging, gagging sick, and I don't think the Eagles have any chance. Okay, I'll give them .0005% chance. Ha! Tony says, I literally have zero interest in the Super Bowl at this point. I may soften in the next two weeks, but for now, I have no desire to watch. Underst understood. Dave Hickey wraps up this section, says, this is going to be a tough one to talk about for a while. I'm going to try and not get so vested in sports. Just tear tears me up to be a Hawkeye and Vikings fan. Just a killer. No doubt. Post-game thread. Pardon me. Yeah, this one's a little more busy than normal, understandably. Uh, Justin Mayor Henry says, Vikings equal trash. Jesse Ball says, 2001 Vikings again. I'm sick. Yep, and that was again, uh, yeah, 2001 in January. 41 Donut. And that's exactly what it was to me, an East Coast thrashing. Robin Sullivan, locally out of Brooklyn Park. Robin Sullivan says, Glad to see Shermer go. I blame him for most, for the most part. We had a great season. Many mistakes were made from every direction today. Live and learn. They were not prepared for foals at all or this game, period. Still stand by my team, though. Mm -hmm. Brad McCarthy says, need an offensive coordinator and depth on, on the whole line and a quarterback and defensive backs. It was a hell of a season. Got farther than I thought they would. I knew this was going to happen if we went to Philly. Yeah, I was scared going in, too. 
Jerry Hicks, who I believe is uh, out of St. Louis. He's originally from Minnesota, though, says brutal. The only words I have right now. Robin Sullivan jumps back in, says one thing for sure is people will be talking about Diggs and the Minnesota Miracle for years to come. Absolutely. Um, if we're still talking about the Ahmad Rashad Miracle, we'll definitely be talking about the Minneapolis Miracle because this, this one was bigger than the Ahmad one. That one put the Vikings in the playoffs. This one put us in the NFC title game. So it, it's a big one, and you hope that it's... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, this was more of a... Literally like a football miracle, where the other one was more of a big play at the end. Um, Eric Mustard says... The Vikings really viked up that Viking game. <laughs> I should be used to it by now. <clears throat> but I was at least looking for a competitive game. Sigh. We'll see what happens in the offseason regarding the quarterback situation. Hopefully Cook will be healthy too. And yes, Delvin Cook is the interesting factor going into next season. If he's as good as he appeared to be, we could be in good shape offensively next year. It's, uh, at least with the right coordinator in charge. Tony Coleman says, I truly thought this year was different. I totally bought into bringing the, the bringing home fantasy. I started to believe, but no, same old Vikings, building us up only to break our hearts in a spectacularly devastating fashion. R.I.P. Skull to the Bowl. R.I.P. Bring it home. R.I.P. Super Skull 52. The curse is real. Yeah, I think it is too. That being said, I think the Vikings... I thank the Vikings for a truly remarkable season and all the fun I had along the way. I love this team in spite of it all. Beyond that, I don't want to talk much about it. Uh, yep. Yep, I gotcha. Hey, Vicky comes back, says brutal is a good word for it for sure. I was thinking of three different words. Pathetic, embarrassing, and typical. Uh-huh. Gerald Sring. Things to stop doing in 2018. Cut out the stupid childish end zone celebrations. They are retarded and stupid and unprofessional. Things to start doing. Get prepared for games instead of practicing end zone celebrations. When you win a Super Bowl, you can do your stupid little end zone celebrations. <laughs> well, it didn't help. And yeah, and you're hearing rumors come out from Uber drivers in town that guys were still partying up well into Tuesday about the win over uh, the Saints. That's not good. And that kind of reeked of what happened to the New York Giants as well. Guys were way overconfident going into that New York Giants game way back in 2000. Totally different team, but same possible reasons as to why things went the way they did. The guys just were not prepared in this game. It's on the players. It's on the coaches. It's on both. If you're not prepared to play a game when you know, and you completely go back on everything you've done all year, obviously something's up. It's not normal. I mean, that's not normal. This was the worst game since the Indianapolis Colts game in U.S. Bank Stadium last year when that team just torched the Vikings. A terrible, terrible coach te Colts team terrorized the Vikings in U.S. Bank Stadium. And that pretty much wrapped up our postseason hopes that day. Very similar, actually. <clears throat> Gerald String says, for Pete's sake, that's your job. Act like you've been there before. Yeah. Mark Carlson's thoughts on the game. I could handle the loss a lot better if the score were closer. I thought we had a strike force offense that could scare, score and keep us in the game and a shutdown D that would do the same. It's like they ran out of gas on the last 10 miles to the Super Bowl. Skull to you, Joey, for a fine season of covering the team. Skull to all my purple friends, Mark from Iowa. Yep. Gerald Swing says we're all hurting this morning. Yes. Or this, did I call him Gerald String? Cedric Paulding. Uh, yes, it was brutal. We have, but we lost to a better team. They're riding the underdog wave. We spent a lot of emotion last week, and we're mentally drained. We won 14 games this season. Skull. 
It just sucks how ugly it ended. Vikes were outplayed and outcoached. Coach Mike and the team gained valuable experience. We're trending in the right directions as a franchise, and I, I, I surely hope so. Almost done with this section. Dave Hickey says, it's like they did the op. Yep, exactly. It's like they did the opposite of what they did all year to protect the ball. Best and third. T.O. line protects quarterback. All gone from a, that shit performance. And Dave Hickey and Cedric Paulding, I think, are, should be star candidates. Um, Cedric Paulding says, we must get our quarterback situation fixed. Nothing against Keenum. We need to invest some big-time money in our O-line this offseason or through the draft. We need more speed in our secondary. Newman and Waynes need to go. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Newman's done. Uh, I think he's finished, and that's too bad, but it is what it is, and that's where you try to fix that in the draft or even free agency. I mean, there's nothing wrong with free agency with the uh, uh, defensive back, but it depends who's available, and we're not... Uh, this is not an off-season show yet, but obviously, no. And it's okay to talk about it, but I'm just saying I don't have a, the list in front of me just yet. And, of course, uh, none of us do at this moment, but we will. And it's okay to talk about it, absolutely. They, I do think, uh, yeah, Newman, is. It, it's time to retire, unfortunately. And I feel for him. It's the farthest he ever got, and he had a lousy game, too. Continuing Cedric's statement, Waynes is a liability and Newman is slow. Can't cover a crossing road at this age anymore. Zimmer needs a home run hire for an offensive coordinator. I'm hoping for a larger wide receiver. Like I see Vikes in a free agency go after Bryant or Elshon Jeffrey type to go with uh, to go with Diggs and Thielen. Front seven is solid. Looking forward to free agency and the draft until next season and and go Vikes. And yeah, I, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Hopefully a very positive one. Last offseason was downright spectacular. Can we all say that? Rick Spielman deserves a... A sitting ovation, at least. <laughs> he had a pretty good. Uh, he had a pretty good off season. Let's let's be honest here. I mean, a fifteen or thirteen and three season, and another NFC title game appearance. Appearance, not win. Appearance, but yeah, good to get back at least. Tony Coleman wraps up the section with a fascinating statistic: forty-nine playoff games without a single Super Bowl win, most in NFL history, and that is without a doubt. Tony Coleman, also a star candidate for the show, as there will be quite a few stars passed out, I believe, on this episode. Um, uh, see, what was the... Uh, yep, I was saying how I get the sh- I'll get the show wrapped up this morning, this and that. And yes, it is going to come out this morning. Uh, Dave Hickey says, a pity, a pity you having to do a show about their lackluster performance last night, Joey. I wanted to comment on the fact there are rumors going around that the Vikings are considering hiring Ben McAdoo for the offensive coordinator. In my opinion, that would be the stupidest thing they have ever done. He took the Giants from winners to losers, and that's who they want to replace, Shermer. Yeah, and Shermer's replacing him as head coach. I'm with you, Dave Vicky. I think that would be a mistake. Um, I'm, you know, I think it would be a mistake too. But, boy, I mean, too bad it's out of our hands. I wish it wasn't. Uh, uh, hopefully it's just a rumor. That's about all we can say now. Uh, final post here. Okay, yeah, this was all Tony Coleman's... Oh, no. Yep, that was when the whole situation... That was the previous one. This one is now. Yep, he was saying it looks like it'll be a cloudy day in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The high will be 53, the low will be 39, and as of now, it doesn't look like the weather will be too bad in Philly. It could be much worse. And no, it wasn't too bad, but the Eagles did what they did. They flew. Eagles flew, I guess, at the end of the day. So that will wrap up the fan interaction segment, mercifully for some of you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. No, I, I, I loved it. But mercifully in terms of the frustration and the sadness and all that. Um, I'm trying to look for, there he is. 
Yep. So I want to get make sure I get to all the uh, stars out there. Um, so the stars for this episode, it's tough. It's always tough. The gold star for this episode is going to go to Dave Hickey and Mad Martin. They will. Uh, yeah, I'll give it to Dave Hickey and Mad Martin for this show. Um, obviously good conversations back and forth. I'm going crazy. You know, a lot of you deserve gold stars, I think. Um, Cedric Paulding and Tony Coleman will get silvers. Mark Carlson, Circus Clowns, uh, Jamie Christ won. Absolutely a bronze star. I think, uh, yeah, Circus Clowns. Yeah, you guys will all get uh, stars for this show. Tony Coleman, a gold-plated silver star. Awesome overall job on this episode. Dave Hickey will, will, will ring in the gold for this one. Mad Martin gets the gold as well. You guys just absolutely great. The two call-ins and the great conversation throughout the season. So you guys getting uh, recognition always. And you know, I mean, every one of you is so great. Sam Gupta always deserves recognition as well. Always appreciate him coming in. Good things to say. It's been a uh, sad, se- uh, sad finish to a wonderful season without a doubt. Uh, this was definitely something else. Uh, ten seasons now covering the Minnesota Vikings on Purple Mafia. It's crazy. This is 10 full seasons. I definitely will be back to uh, to review the Super Bowl, believe it or not. Much as we all hate to think about not being there and the dream that died as the possibility of playing at home, it would have been a phenomenon. This was a Halley's Comet event, and we slept through Halley's Comet. At least the Vikings defense did. We missed it. We missed Halley's Comet. So I guess we got to wait 86 years to see it again. That's about it. But no, maybe we'll get a uh, we'll be able to host the show again or host the Super Bowl again at some time uh, more recently with such an amazing stadium. But it's got to be at least ten years from now, right? That's the one thing. And things will be a lot different ten years from now. Maybe it'll be less than that. Maybe we'll be really lucky. Maybe they'll love us so much they'll come right back five six years from now. But I don't know. Sad. It sucks. But it is what it is. I want to thank all of you for a wonderful fan interaction throughout the season. As uh. Eventually, they'll be State of the Vikings. Of course, there'll be the Super Bowl review two weeks from now, which will probably be fairly short depending on how much news comes in and how much fan interaction comes in with it. Uh, Also, the next show after that will more than likely be, unless there's some major news thing before that, but more than likely be State of the Vikings, which I will pass out the Stars of the Year Award for the the fan interaction. And, of course, the MVP most improved, or slash, not most improved, but biggest surprise and biggest disappointment of the 2017 season for the Minnesota Vikings. Player-related, mostly, but some people might put in events or coaches or whatever, but generally I like to stick with players. And if you want to put more than one, that's up to you for a certain statistic. If you want to say these two guys are tied for this or that, that's up to you. So that's how things will go in the next coming weeks or so into February and March. After State of the Vikings, it's the free agent show. After free agency, it's draft preview, and then draft review, and then here we go. Before you know it, it'll be hot out again, and then it'll be getting into the dog days of summer, and you'll get training camp back in Mankato. It all comes faster every year, because every year is shorter than the previous, it seems, because of it's a smaller percentage of our life spent over the course of time, as we all know oh so well. Thanks again. Take care, and we will talk about the Super Bowl in two weeks, everyone, and God bless.